Welcome everyone to session zero of Stewards of a Broken Sun, the third season of our podcast, Stories of a Broken Sun. We're very excited to finally be getting started here, and we're really happy that you've all decided to join us. Today on the agenda, we are going to be introducing the system we're using this uh, season, Songs for the Dusk. We will also be introducing our characters. And once we have introduced our characters, which we've already made, we are going to build out the community in which they will operate. And this community is going to be based in the city we built in, I'm sorry to say, Street Magic by Caro Assertion, which you can get at seaexcursion, seaexcursion.itch.io, and you definitely should. I'd like to start by acknowledging that this podcast is produced on the traditional unceded territory of the Keitsi, Coquitlam, Stalo, Kwantlen, Staminas, and Musqueam people and the treaty land of the Tawasan First Nation. I urge everybody to support Indigenous people however they can. One way that you can do that, particularly in North America, is to search the Settler Saturday hashtag on Twitter and provide direct support to Indigenous people in North America and around the world. The system that we are going to begin with today is Songs for the Dusk. This is the version 0.5 beta by Kavita Poduri and Quinn Floredo Vega. So the basics. Songs for the Dusk is a game about building a community in the ruins of a fallen world. When you play this game, you'll take on the roles of brave and compassionate adventurers called Striders, who set out to help their community thrive in the face of the dangers that threaten it. You'll explore a post-apocalyptic science fantasy world filled with ancient technology and strange transcendent forces. You'll get tangled up in deadly skirmishes, race through dramatic escapes, and stare out at steel ruins glittering in the pastel twilight. Of course, it won't be easy. Ancient war machines roam the old plains, imperial armies menace small settlements in the valleys, strange new predators stalk through the wilds hungry and fearless. Maybe all these dangers will stop you in your tracks and your dream will quietly wither away. Or maybe, with some luck and skill and cleverness, you can build a thriving community with a real future ahead of it. This is the core of this game. We play to find out what happens. Songs for the Dusk is a forged in the dark game. This means that it borrows a lot of its rules from another game called Blades in the Dark by John Harper. And of course, we played a Forge in the Dark game last season as well, that being Scum and Villainy. Today I am joined by a resolute roster of excellent individuals, and I will introduce them now. First up, we have Velvet. Dark greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the long-awaited season three. Uh, I use Fayfair pronouns. Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere on the interwebs at OG Brown Sugar. Thank you. We are also joined by Michael Blood. Hello, everyone. It's still me, Michael. My pronouns are still they, them, and you can find me on Twitter at GoodSirBlood if you're so inclined. Third, we are joined by Keekers. Hi, everyone. It's me, Keekers, also known as Cat. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Um, you can find me online, generally under the moniker Cat. That's about it. I hope y'all are having a good day wherever you are. And we're joined by Trudy. Hi, I'm Trudy. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. I can be found on Twitter under good underscore damage. Thank you. And I'm Arp. My pronouns are here, they. You can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber, or you can follow the show at Broken Sun RPG. And you can visit our website, brokensunrpg.com. It's pretty cool. Uh, the first thing that we would like to do today is introduce the characters that we have developed for Season 3. Once this episode is going out, I am also going to be making a Twitter thread. I'll be adding to the Broken Sun Art hashtag, and this thread will include the wonderful new art that we got from Gilia Art on Twitter. Uh, that's Esther Pimentel. And I will, of course, link to her when you are seeing these great portraits that we've all received. So there are currently seven playbooks in Songs for the Dusk. 
Aegises, beacons, charters, kestrels, scholars, scrappers, and witches. The playbooks are not unique in this game. You can mix or match or play a crew composed entirely of one type if you want. It's totally up to you. Though today, the characters we're introducing each have different playbooks. So if you would like to introduce your character, Velvet. Yes, um, I will be playing Joe and Jaws. Uh, Jojo to their friends. They are a bipedal shark and they wear a very debonair skin tight suit. Something eerily similar to but legally distinct enough Jorno's outfit from Golden Wind. And where are they from? They are from the far uh, off ocean world of Nazoth. That is N-A-Z-O-T-H. Blizzard, do not sue me. I don't think they'll even notice us. Uh, what else can you tell us about Jojo? Uh, so what anchors Jojo to our city, our community here is they want to be part of this world, specifically they feel a very deep kinship uh, with the Centurions. If you've been following along or are caught up, the Centurions are aquatic folks who were, you know, kind of uplifted against their will. And they get around by incorporating a lot of uh, cybertech prosthetics. Whereas JoJo's people, they kind of evolved uh, very naturally, so they don't have to rely on cybernetics. So I think JoJo, you know, feels very tight with them, wants to help them out however possible. Mm -hmm. And then the other anchor is the move like you, talk like you. You know, JoJo, as a bipedal shark person, is very fascinated to see other similar creatures like, you know, the ratkin, the giant bugs. Uh, and they're very interested in just learning more about them. That's exciting. Uh, so what Velvet has just done has uh, been to go through a first set of aspects that you pick out for your playbook in Songs for the Dusk. Your name and pronouns, your form, your look, heritage, background, and anchors. The anchors are the things that connect you, your character, to the main community here. Why don't they just leave? Why do they stick around? The next thing that is uh, exciting and unique about Songs for the Dusk is the community relationship that you form on your playbook. And this is the belief that your character has about their relationship to the community. And there is a clock that you can fill out during downtime by taking actions and having experiences with people and uh, places in the community. And when that clock is filled, you can learn the truth of your belief in relation to the community. So what is Jojo's belief with the community relationship? Jojo's belief is this community is a safe place for me and my loved ones and the people here need me to protect it. As appropriate as Jojo is the Aegis playbook, a resolute warrior and protector. Uh, would you like to tell us about the abilities you have? Sure. Uh, so my starting ability is Intercepting Fist. When I protect a teammate or an NPC, I take plus one die to my resistance roll. And when I collect info about possible threats to my team or my community, uh, I get plus one impact. That's handy. And then my first special ability is Hits Keep Coming. I can play my melody to completely avoid harm from an attack in combat or to push myself during a fight. I've given each player their melody ability. Melody is a special resource in this game, sort of like a special armor type thing in Forge in the Dark, uh, in addition to the ability that they pick when they start. So what's the other ability you've gotten there? Uh, and the other one uh, is probably my favorite of the two. It's the Reverie School. I have potency in unarmed combat and don't suffer reduced impact or a lower position if I'm unarmed against opponents with melee weapons and I can precisely define the degree of harm ideal. Right, to opponents in melee combat. Yes. Reverie School is a really cool ability. Can't wait to see it in action. And speaking of actions, the three attributes in this version of Forge in the Dark in Songs of the Dusk are analysis, 
kinesis, and semiosis. Each one of those has four uh, four actions built into it. And why don't you tell us about the actions you took points in? So as far as analysis, uh, I do not have any points in there. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jojo is a uh, is, is a shark of action, not not too much forethought. Uh, right. For kinesis, uh, I took some slots in skirmish. Uh, Jojo is quite scrappy and wayfair. Jojo is used to making quick exits and entrances and is pretty apt at navigating their surroundings. Right. So skirmish there is uh, in pitched combat, fight someone in hand-to-hand or with melee weaponry, exchange plasma fire across low cover, and you got two points there, and wayfare across the land, free run across crumbling ruins, traverse unfamiliar terrain, forage for food. Two dots there. And then for uh, semiosis, uh, I have one point in connect. Uh, Jojo is pretty gregarious. They think they get along with everybody. Whether or not that's accurate is uh, remains to be seen. And I took two points in tune. Jojo is very, very connected to themselves and their surroundings and tries to bring a good energy. Yeah. So connect the flavor text here is connect with people emotionally. Persuade from a position of genuine belief, express vulnerability, offer comfort and support. Whereas Tune says, tune yourself to the world, feel the pulse of transcendent forces, sense danger or hostility, commune with an animal or spirit. Thank you. So that tells us all about Jojo, our wonderful bipedal shark person, or shark, I should say, a warrior shark. on a quest. I would like to note before we move on that any resemblances to the combat art of Hamon or the anime Jojo's Bizarre Adventure are entirely incidental. I'm sc- Glad to know that. I've only seen one season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the first one. (laughs) One is all you need. (laughs) I know there's a Dio, and he shows up when you don't expect him to, and he hates dogs. Oh, he's a bad man. Yeah, I don't know if I can handle characters that don't like dogs. He does bad things to dogs, and that was enough for me. I can't recommend that show. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, Keekers. Uh, Okay, next up, we have our Kestrel. Kestrel is a sharp-eyed tracker and scout, which is played by Michael Blood. So why don't you tell us about your character? Well, why don't I? So, reaching through the night, bittersweetly we recall last days of summer, is a starfish cyborg mech, who is a centauran and a starfish. And they're just like a purple starfish in a fish tank that's inside a little mech suit. And I love them. I love him so much. Yeah. His name is Reaching Through the Nights. Um, some people call him Reaching. Some people call him Knight. His pronouns are he, him. Uh, as I said, he's a starfish cyborg mech. You know what he looks like. He's from the Centauran Flotilla, or at least what the part of it that survived the transition into the emergency. His background is uh, he was a scout for the Centauran military in whatever form that took. His anchors to the community are commitment to his life partners, a duty to the flotilla remnants. Now, he's still a part of the military, but it's not as centralized as it was before and he wishes to establish a lasting peace between all the disparate factions um inside the city and in the world beyond if that world still exists mm-hmm. here's hoping here's hoping we don't know way to find out we, i hope we find out uh my community relationship is eerily similar to that of jojo um this community is a safe place for me and my loved ones and the people here need me to protect it so reaching views himself as a as a protector and he wants to live here at least for the time being and be able to make a life here as the Kestrel, um, he has a few crazy magic abilities that make him wonderful. Uh, his starting ability is Seventh Sense, so I understand the world around me better than most. And I can generate Harmony, which is like our, uh, what, what was the equivalent in Scum and Villainy? 
Uh, gambits, basically. Gambits, yes. So that's our gambits in this system. And there's a question about who asks first. The answer is me. I'm very fast starfish. Um, my first special ability other than that is Charm Veil. So I can take stress to cover myself in a cloak of magic shadow. And I can burn more stress to do other things with it. Hmm. Like um, basically cover the group in some dark shadows and move around. Be super sneaky. And my melody ability is Red Eyes Shining. I can play my melody to resist a hidden or unexpected danger or to push myself when you act quickly and decisively. So if I get involved into a scrap that's happening very quick, I'm, I'm like a magic predator. All right. And of course, my, my, uh, my little ability, my actions rather, that's what they're called. Under analysis, I have um, one tick in sunder and trace. Under kinesis, I have a tick in finesse and shadow and two ticks on wayfair. And under semiosis, I have a single tick in tune. Okay. For some reason, your semiosis count on your sheet is broken and I tried to fix it and it did not work. Don't know why. Um, sorry. It's what I do. I deprogram sheets. I come <laughs> in and I mess them up. That's going to be my goof for this whole season. Can't wait to hear that. <laughs> okay. So uh, Sunder is under analysis. So it's uh, really interesting that this is the type of action that would normally be under like physical stuff in other Forge in the Dark games. But here it's based on your ability to see and understand and figure things out. So Sunder doors apart, set explosives, hack into firewalls, shear off armor, disable or sabotage vehicles, destroy with overwhelming force. All of those fall under Sunder, which is a fantastic way of saying that Sunder is just basically taking things apart in ways they're not supposed to be, which is why it's uh, under analysis there. Now, Trace is trace a target's location or path, find something or someone hidden, attack with precision shooting from a distance. We have Finesse under Kinesis, Finesse something into or out of someone's pocket, carefully bandage wounds, handle a mount or vehicle, play an instrument, and shadow a target, sneak past security, vanish into a hiding place, spy or eavesdrop, ambush with close violence and we've already looked at wayfair and tune but thank you very much michael any closing thoughts before we move on to the next character um i'm just a really dangerous starfish person and i'm really mm. excited dangerous but lovable mm, purple all right now next up we have the beacon the beacon is a compelling and well-spoken negotiator our beacon this season will be played by keekers would you like to tell us about your beacon Hi, everyone. Yes. Returning to season three is Keva Jarma. Uh, uh, with she, as she, her pronouns, as, as you previously said, she is a compelling and well-spoken negotiator. Her form is radiant, which I don't know what, uh, what have, what exactly that means, but her, look, just, just humans. Yeah. Okay. So her look is station chic, which is Good for hot days and cold nights. Um, her heritage is the Hablon Station heritage. Uh, if you've listened to season one and parts of season two, you're familiar with them. Um, and her background is Sunbreaker, which, again, you will be familiar with if you've listened to season one and season two. Uh, basically, Hablon and the Sunbreakers. Uh, Hablon was this gigantic space station to catch you all up, that uh, the League of Orbital Nations created to orbit around Earth um, because of the emergency and the mistake. It migrated to the asteroid belt and cats needed some treats. But anyway, um, and then the Sunbreakers were our, our player characters from season one 
that uh, came and were resisting the tyrannical puppet government that had taken over Hablon. Keva's anchors are duty. Um, she feels uh, called to be taking care of her community um, relationship with Emran Pack, uh, her fiance at this point, and curiosity, which I have called into the unknown. She really wants to know what is out there, what exists inside of the this giant being. Um, and because Keva is from season one and season two, she does have some quirks, unlike the other characters. So her two quirks, uh, it works differently than the traumas in season two. These are more just like things that have affected her. It's not necessarily always negative things um, for her. She has a fear of letting people down and doesn't like eggs <laughs> mm. due to a particular egg-shaped villain. Um, she's fine with soft shell eggs. It's just the hard shell eggs that she has a problem with. Now, um, her relationship with the community is that her community trusts her and she needs to prove herself worthy. Yeah. I'm excited to see how that goes as well, given the fact that she will probably have an existing, you know, reputation in the community to begin with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now I go into my abilities. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... The beacon starting ability is called de-escalation. Um, whenever you spend harmony while speaking, hostilities and danger also pause while you speak. And I figure that because of Keva's unique hacking abilities, this might also mean when she's a <laughs> telekinetic that will charge up to someone, I figure that when she's talking to them in that, that probably also goes over there. Um, then for her other beacon, uh, special harmony ability, she has won't go quiet. You can play your melody to resist a social consequence or to push yourself when trying to connect with or persuade people. It's a handy one to have. Yes. And lastly, because Keva is returning, she has a third ability, um, borrowed from actually the Aegis, um, playbook, which is called Charm Guard. You can generate an impenetrable field of translucent energy. In this case, it's not necessarily translucent energy. <laughs> it's her uh, hair. And you can spend two stress to weave a field big enough to protect a medium-sized group of people, about 20, and the field lasts for a few minutes. Okay. Before you go on there, I just want to take a moment to talk about stress, because I think that's the first time this came up here. Oh, no, you had charm veil as well uh so stress is a resource in forge in the dark games and uh it's a track that you fill up whenever you there's a variety of ways that you can gain stress one of them is pushing yourself uh, one of them is when you resist you take a certain amount of stress and uh there are nine boxes on your stress track and if you fill up all nine of your boxes you basically get dropped out of the scene uh for some reason whatever fictionally fits and when you return, your stress is cleared, but you have a new quirk. Yeah, and that's and that's happened to Keva twice. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. So, like in Keva's case, she like passed out for a short time, or you know, got stuck in a cocoon. Yeah, yeah. It was nice though. It was a nice cocoon. It was very solidly constructed. And so, it's, I guess that's two of our characters who've been in cocoons at some point in this game now. Huh. Metapod gang rise up. <laughs> uh, all right, tell us about your actions. 
Right. So under analysis, Keva has one dot in decipher, one dot in shape, and one dot in sunder. Um, decipher is like deciphering a code or a person's true intent, etc. Basically doing research, that sort of thing. Uh, shape is shape new technology, modify existing machinery, write code, deploy hardware. Uh, it's kind of like a repair or a hack uh, skill from previous systems. Um, Sunder does break things up. Keva's strong. She can break some stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, In Kinesis, Keva only has one tick, and that's for skirmish, um, which is fighting. Uh, fight with someone in hand-to-hand or with a weapon, uh, you know, shooting a gun, all that uh, plasma weapon. Yeah, it's in close fighting. Yeah, so there's close fighting. So then uh, where Keva is strongest is semiosis. Semiosis? Semiosis. Sorry, everyone. I can't read words. No need to apologize. It's an unusual word that most people never see in their lives. Yep. So uh, Keva only has one tick in the skill called bluff, which is pretty self-explanatory. You bluff someone you appeal to their emotional needs lie convincingly persuade with charm or guile generally more charm when it comes to keva mm-hmm. and, and we then, know the descriptions of connect and tune already but how yes, many points do you have in there i have two in each uh, so keva has more points than the other characters with her being a, uh, a more experienced one because she's being ported over from two seasons worth of uh, experience resisting Empire and being a rebel and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, we decided to give her some extra advances, sort of in exchange for having having those quirks that she also took on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to tell us about Keva before we move to the last character? She's small, but mighty. Though she'd be small, she is fierce. Yeah. Wait, I quoted that wrong, didn't I? I don't know. I was quoting a video about little fish, but though she be but little, she is fierce. Mm. A Midsummer Yar. Night's Dream. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I got I got uh, Tina a T-shirt with that on it from Bart on the Beach one year. <laughs> I need one. Heck yeah! We I'm definitely need f- to get you one. Yeah, I'm only five one. I need it. <laughs> That's in small but fierce, gang. Definitely. For sure. And that brings us to our final character for the moment, which is a scrapper. The scrapper is a savvy technician and mechanic. And this season, our scrapper will be played by Trudy. Would you like to tell us about your scrapper? Yes. Um, so I'm going to be playing Ollie Oxenfree. Um, their pronouns are they, them. Um, they're an adapted possum, uh, but they, they were born that way. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. have anything done to them. They were just born that way. Um, they are a short possum person uh, that wears overalls, boots, uh, a simple white top. They have a page boy's cap with goggles perched on the brim. So they basically look like they're out there working, which um, goes well for their background because that's what they do. They're a repair person um, and uh, they fix things as one might expect from a scrapper. Um, their heritage is uh, the ruderal bloom. And uh, their anchor is that they want to be able to create and repair anything. And uh, this is a great place as any to really do that because we kind of have a hodgepodge of people and a hodgepodge of tech that will give them the skills to be able to follow their dreams. Yeah. Ollie Ollie has a tendency to hyperfixate on um, tech. And so 
Uh, they probably come across as a little bit flaky um, to the other members of their community, uh, which is why their community relationship um, and their their belief about their community relationship is that their community can count on them for anything involving tech, but not much else. And uh, that's in part because of their hyperfixation. Mm-hmm. So Ollie's starting ability is hotfix. When you spend harmony on a roll to repair, modify, upgrade, or sabotage technology, you gain plus one impact. When you invent or craft mundane technology, you get one plus result level to your roll. A one to three becomes a four to five, etc. You begin with one special blueprint already known. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that one out. <laughs> Not necessarily today, but we will figure that out. We, we will. And then uh, they also get two other special abilities. The first is Brave New Foundry. You can play your melody to resist a consequence from technological malfunction damage or to push yourself when modifying, repairing, or building machinery. The other is Charm Hack. You may push yourself to do one of the following. Instantly repair or sabotage technology in the immediate area. Mystically assemble new technology from available materials. Scrap an old tech. <laughs> what was that? Something on Velvet's uh, end. Yeah, no, somebody yeah. sent me something that I thought was them needing me to translate something, and it was a meme. <laughs> <laughs> so Translate this meme, please. Yeah, no, <laughs> I apologize for that. Translate the cultural significance as well as the actual language, please. Well, you see, in 1406... <laughs> okay, tell us... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, can you tell us about all these action points? Yeah, it probably comes as no surprise, but most of their action points are in analysis. And I think we went over all or maybe most of these. They have one point in decipher, uh, two points in shape, one point in sunder, and one point in trace. Yeah, they got one in everything there. Yeah. Well, two in um, one, but sorry. They got something yeah. in everything there. <laughs> something in everything. Um, they only have one point in kinesis, and that's under Wayfair. And uh, in semiosis, uh, they have one point in connect. That makes sense for the character we've got. Yep. We'll see how how they grow or, or whether they continue to focus on just the technology. Yeah. Okay. So in this game, there's a couple of other mechanics that uh, have been mentioned here that I'd like to just go over quickly. One is harmony. Uh, Harmony is a resource that represents your crew's understanding of both each other and their place in the world. So unlike a gambit, your gambit in Scum and Villainy was because you're playing scrappy, you know, uh, criminals and underdogs and and, and stuff like that. And so the gambit represented just the general luck of a scoundrel, whereas Harmony is about understanding and to experience Harmony is to see with perfect clarity where you are relative to your allies and your goals. This is meant in both the literal and metaphorical sense. Spending Harmony to clamber up a mountain might mean understanding exactly the route you need to get to the top quickly and haul your friends up after you, but spending it to convince somebody might mean seeing exactly what their insecurities are and knowing how to address them. To use Harmony is to have, for a split second, perfect insight into how the world fits together and what your place in it is. Any character, player character, can spend Harmony during an action roll to add plus one die to the roll, you can only spend it once per roll. You generate harmony in two ways. At the end of each downtime, you reset crew harmony to two. In addition, every time you roll a six or critical result on a desperate action or a teamwork maneuver, you generate harmony. This happens even if you've spent harmony on that roll. If you're lucky enough, sometimes you'll spend harmony and immediately regenerate it. Harmony is a useful resource that's intended to be used frequently, so don't be shy about spending it. So yeah, harmony is uh, is really cool, and I like how there's more ways to generate it. Like not only is it six or criticals on desperate actions, but also any teamwork maneuver. Anytime you do a teamwork maneuver, 
you generate harmony if you roll a, if there's a six in there somewhere or a critical in there somewhere. So it really encourages you as players to do those teamwork actions, teamwork maneuvers, and and help each other out in that way, and then just to use them because they're useful. The other thing was a uh, lotus gambit, and now like most Forge in the Dark games, there is a um, a tool here, a lotus gambit that allows the uh, person who's running the game, me in this case, to complicate the narrative in exchange for a mechanical benefit. So this is one of the three ways to get bonus dice. One of them is to get help from a teammate. They take one stress, they say how they help you, and you get plus one die in your roll. The second way is to push yourself, which takes two stress, or accept a lotus gambit. You can't get dice for both, it's one or the other. And then the third way is to spend harmony. So a lotus gambit tells us that the characters of songs are daring adventurers who are often willing to take dramatic risks to accomplish their goals, and sometimes those risks come with unintended consequences. To reflect this, the MC or any other player can offer you a bonus die if you accept a lotus gambit. Common lotus gambits include collateral damage or unintended harm, lose gear or shells, which is a currency, upset or betray a friend or loved one, anger a faction, start or advance a threatening clock, add heat to the crew from hostile witnesses, or suffer harm. So when you take a lotus gambit, it occurs regardless of the outcome of the roll. You make the gamble and you pay the price and you get the bonus die. Uh, the Lotus Gambit is always a free choice. If you don't like it, just reject it or suggest how to alter it so you might consider taking it. You can always just push yourself for that bonus die instead. If it's ever needed, the uh, MC has final say over which Lotus Gambits are valid. So you are welcome to offer each other Lotus Gambits uh, and Ooh. I encourage you to do so. Uh, and uh, if they are like too wild or, or not appropriate, then I'll, I'll step in and say maybe we can alter this a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's going with the general theme I talked about in the postmortem from seasons one or two. I really want to encourage a lot more of all of you making suggestions and even more than you already have making suggestions mm. and, and giving these uh, options to each other. So we can't be like, you will get more, uh, you will get an extra die if you give <laughs> Keva all of your cheese. <laughs> no, not unless giving Keva all of your cheese would cause unintended harm or collateral damage mm. or upset or betray a friend or loved one. So if you can work it in there, for sure. I've sworn off the cheese for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> what, it, what if it upsets you? Because you wanted that cheese. Mm. It's worth thinking about. Worth thinking about. Um, okay. Otherwise. The position and impacts are pretty similar to what you're used to. Every action roll will have position and impact. The position will be controlled, risky, or desperate. Controlled is you have the perfect opportunity. Potential consequences include minor harm, reduced impact, a minor complication, or loss of control as you shift to a risky position. When you roll a four or five from a control position, you can always choose to withdraw and try a different approach if you want to avoid the consequences. But when you roll a one to three, your plan is less controlled than you thought. You can either switch to a different approach or try the same tactic again from a risky position. Risky is where you spend most of your time, as we're used to, risky standard. You're going head to head. You're <laughs> acting while in danger. You're taking a chance, but not an impossible one. Potential consequences include serious harm, reduced impact, a serious complication, or loss of control as you shift to a desperate position. Desperate is you're in serious trouble. You're making a huge gamble. You're reaching way beyond your means. Potential consequences include severe harm, reduced impact, or a disastrous complication. Whenever you roll a desperate action, you mark XP in that action's attribute. When you have six experience in an attribute, you can erase them all to add another action dot. Uh, positions must correspond to the fiction and vice versa. If you fall to a desperate position, it's not just that your opponent is stronger than you thought, it's that they've knocked you flat on your back while they stand over you with a blade. If you're in a controlled position, then, they, then it's the opposite. You're the one with the weapon, and they're the one on the ground. Uh, impact is high standard or low. 
It's how much impact your actions will have. It's the way to measure the effect your actions will have on the world around you. Um, the more of an impact you have, the fewer actions it'll take to achieve your goal and vice versa. So I will judge the impact level using the profiles uh, for high standard to low. High impact is you're more effective than usual. How does that show? What extra benefit do you get? If there's a clock, you tick three segments on high impact. Standard impact, you make pretty much the impact you'd expect. Is that enough or is there more left to do? If there's a clock, you tick two segments. And low impact, you're only partly or weakly effective. What reduces your impact? What's left to do to accomplish your goal? If there's a clock, tick one segment. And, you know, in general, I go with my gut on this. But if necessary, if we're in a situation where we disagree or we really need to try and math it out, you can look at three factors to determine impacts, which are potency, scale, and quality. Uh, and we'll get to that if it comes up, but those are just things that can affect the impact. Now, there are ways to have different types of impact. There's also zero impact, which means you will have no effect on the goal or the obstacle. And you can try to push yourself or get help or something or do setup actions to improve that to, to standard. And there's also extreme impact if you push beyond high impact, which would be five ticks or, uh, or, or something along those lines. So if you have a special ability that gives you plus one impact, that comes into play after I have assessed the impact level. And of course, remember, you can push yourself to get plus one impact on your action or plus one die. Okay, so those are the basics. You can also resist consequences if something comes up and you don't like it and it's not part of a Lotus Gambit. You can resist. You tell me how you are resisting and that determines which of your attributes you roll and your attribute resistance roll is based on how many ticks you have in the first column of an action. So for example, um, Ollie has at least one point in all four analysis actions, which means that Ollie would resist using analysis by rolling four dice. Whereas on the other hand, if we look at Jojo, Jojo has no dots in anything in analysis. So Jojo would roll zero die if they needed to resist with analysis, which would mean roll two dice and take the lower result. Now, do you have any questions about the basic mechanics before we move along here to my players? I, I feel that it's pretty similar to the previous uh, system, so I don't have any questions jumping out at me right now. Yeah, in terms of the basics, it's it's basically the same. It's Forge in the Dark, mechanically. Like, there's a lot of cool new stuff in here. I love what Songs is doing to push this in new directions, but the basics are the same there. Okay. So that's it for playbooks and basics on the system. Uh, the system is broken up into missions and downtime. Missions are when you go out and do stuff. Before you do a mission, you gather information and make a plan and you do an engagement role. And then uh, after you do the mission, you go into downtime, which is where you rest and recover and try and pursue your own goals. Uh, we're going to take a little break at this point and we're going to have snacks or eat lunch. And once we come back from our break, we are going to build our community which is the last step that we need to do to get this game ready to roll. Okay. All right, we're back and we are going to build our community now. So in order to build your community, there's a variety of steps to follow in chapter three of the book, Songs for the Dusk, Crew Creation. So choose a crew type. Your crew consists of a selection of special abilities, a few unique upgrades, and a unique XP trigger. Picking a crew type focuses the scope of your job and helps narrow down the kind of missions you'll tend to run. It's not a totally restrictive decision. A crew of couriers might sometimes quote-unquote liberate resources, like silvers, or try to protect people, like rangers. But the core activity of the crew type is the most frequent way they earn shells and XP for advancement. There are five crew types. Augers. 
Augers are passionate scientists and investigators. They solve mysteries and uncover things, both old and new. Couriers. Couriers are hardy transporters. Couriers move supplies and connect people with trade and aid relationships. Magpies. Magpies are clever techs and scavengers. They salvage old tech and turn it into new and helpful machinery. Rangers. Rangers are agile scouts and defenders. They defend and rescue the innocent and stop those who would oppress them. And Silvers. Silvers are thieves with hearts of gold. They get supplies from the wealthy to the needy by hook or by crook. Like a character playbook, your crew type is also how you're known across Tamaris. Or in our case, across the inflorescence. When the people of this world see you, they think rangers or magpies are couriers, and they'll treat you accordingly. Choosing a crew type is extremely important. This is how your group decides on the missions you want to do. It organizes your game by focusing helping people to scavenging and repairing old tech or fighting off the Red Empire, which itself helps the me narrow their focus onto the parts of the setting relevant to your missions instead of having to juggle every faction in the book. Choose a crew type that all of you, both the players and the MC, are excited about. Remember, you're about to spend several hours playing these kinds of missions. If you feel lukewarm about any of the options, speak up. Once you've picked, grab the appropriate crew sheet and record these choices as you go, deciding as a group each time. Now, I had suggested magpies, but I can also see couriers or even augers working for our goal here. So the, the goal here is to stitch back together Gov's domain, find where the rest of it is, and find how to reconnect it through those uh, uh, rifts that we have discovered and been manipulating in this setting. So how do we stitch it back together? So what are, how, how, do we, how do we all feel about these options? I don't think we're rangers in this season. I don't think we're silvers in this season. You can see the playbooks for the different crews there on the, um, if you scroll over to the right, you can see them over there. Yeah, I was looking at some of them. Like, I was looking at the beginning of the Songs for the Dusk uh, book, and they said different touchstones. And one of the things that really resonated with me was Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, uh, particularly like the red or the blue team version or whatever. It's it's also the version that got ported to the Switch recently that I played. Mm -hmm. And the plot of the game is that you are a Pokemon with another Pokemon, and you guys uh, go rescue Pokemon or help Pokemon that are stuck in these mystery dungeons uh, of said name. And I, I kind of thought that that was like, oh, that makes sense for us. That's what we kind of are, is basically like, oh, well, we're going to go check this out, um, help people, and maybe, you know, deal with stuff at home. Okay. And sorry, you were saying which one of the, oh, was this right. linked to a crew type that you found most uh, appealing? I don't know if we're necessarily scavengers as a team. Like, I can see Ollie is being, like, that's something that they are doing as we work, but I don't know if that's the whole point of the team. Yeah, it's like the point of the team is to go and find these connections and figure out how to make them without, uh, you know, causing harm to the other realities we have to pass through. It's like you're building bridges, literally and figuratively. You're interdimensional infrastructure workers. Well, I guess it's kind of like maybe couriers. Couriers is a little bit closer. So we could argue that with magpies, uh, instead of like taking in tech as much, it's more like we are finding things, other things or other groups, as it were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, I can see any of these three working. 
like investigators and scientists, it doesn't seem like any of the any of the uh, sorry any of the characters we currently have fit in there. But I think uh, definitely if we can narrow it down from there to couriers or magpies. Like the scavenger thing might be useful, salvaging old tech, turning into new machinery. But moving supplies and connecting people with trade and aid relationships might be might be closer to what we are aiming for, as you said. Does anyone else have thoughts on which of these is a better fit for, or you're more interested in as well? You can take a look at like the abilities and and such as well. For example, the couriers um, they've got go for miles. Each player character may add plus one action rating to shape, finesse, or wayfare. All hands during downtime, one of your experts may perform a downtime activity for the crew to acquire an asset, lose heat, or work on a long-term project. Uh, experts are NPCs who are supporters of your crew, like the cohorts that we almost never used back in Scum and Villainy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can try and use those more this time around. Uh, distributed weight. It's all about how you arrange the pockets. Your crew can carry plus two load. I'm not sure if that means plus two load each or it's probably each, right? It's gotta be each. Yeah. It's like Assassin's Rigging. Assassin's Rigging was just plus two load for everybody. Yeah, that's probably that's probably right. I'm I'm going to ask in the Discord for sure. Just to clarify while we're also looking at the rest of these. I really like one of us and punch it so much. Which one? Where is that one? It's under couriers. One of us is one of you. you one of the crew's vehicles is an expert. Oh. <laughs> and like, not that it has a personality, but just like, we are so good at being in this thing that it counts as an expert. Does that and mean? It, oh, wait. I mean. The express. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. We have, we, we shared a brain cell there. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then there's punch it, which is whenever you enter a danger aboard a vehicle, you gain plus one impact for vehicle speed and maneuverability. And you don't suffer worse position when moving around on the outside of a high speed vehicle. And our vehicles all gain a slot of armor. Hmm. So punch it is great because like our vehicles get better. All our vehicles get armor. And we are really good at operating on fast moving vehicles. That is really good. Yeah. I love punch it. I would vote couriers if you wanted to twist my rubber arm. Uh, all right. So we've also got, just go through the other abilities there. Experts talk logistics. You run supplies and people between factions, and those factions are usually willing to dig a little deeper to make sure it gets done. Whenever you get paid, take plus one shell. Uh, mutual aid. You can use a downtime activity to establish or build up a positive relationship with another faction. Spend shells equal to the faction's tier to increase your status by plus one with them. And then one of us and punch it are the last abilities there. Talked about that at this point, the express only has legs and it can't fly mm-hmm. but it is really fast but it is still fast because yeah i actually had an idea of how what the legs look like <laughs> I know. which is something sonic which is you guys probably <laughs> got because i giggled mm, i was assuming yes yeah it's tails is airplane basically he has an airplane the cyclone that in Sonic Adventure 2, for some reason, it gets legs. It can transform and it has legs. And I was thinking, that's what the Express's legs look like now. I have Googled Tails Cyclone legs and I am seeing that. And yeah, I mean, it's the Express has always had those chicken drumsticks um, thrusters and no reason those can't fold down into legs. I think that's what happened at this point and then it's stuck like that can't fly till we figure out how to fix it like you said okay velvet trudy do you have a a vote one way or another on the couriers versus magpies here put me down for couriers yeah we can do couriers okay i will move that to the top of the list yes Mm -hmm. long last i must go fast (laughs) 
going to go heckin' fast. To say something that is a secret for later in the season, but I will not say it. I will type it. Okay. All right. What is next step? We've picked we've picked the crew type. We're going to go to couriers. Okay. Pick your specialty. Take a look at the different types of missions. Your crew can run and get experience for all of them, but every crew's got a favorite specialty that they're exceptionally fond of. Your specialty is what sets your starting foundation. Okay. Let me see here where is this is this under specialties couriers specialties okay you specialize in specific types of transportation choose a type from the list to be your specialty we have got let's see looks like three specialties okay first specialty is key supplies farming supplies water purifiers insulated clothing construction materials long-range communications equipment and plenty of other necessities for the many varied environments of the inflorescence the starting foundation is a carrier truck this heavy hover truck comes equipped with similarly hovering pallets to help you transport crates of supplies and materials. Delicate materials is the second specialization. Prototype tech, antibiotics and vaccines, rare plants, fragile artifacts, and more. If it's fragile and needs to traverse dangerous territory, you're the ones to call. I'm already leaning this way a bit. Starting foundation is impact mesh. Latticed webs of shock-absorbing material that you can apply to objects or line containers with. Objects cradled in impact mesh have armor against kinetic impacts. And people. Refugees and evacuees, diplomats and important figures, medics and first responders, and anybody else who needs to get somewhere quickly and safely. Starting foundation is convoy vehicles. You have a fleet of rugged vehicles equipped with beds, food storage and refrigeration, water purifiers, etc. to help large groups of people cross long distances. I think we're probably key supplies or delicate materials. Any thoughts on these? This is on page 89. I think it's hard because I want to say that we might also take people, but I would say that key supplies might be our normal thing. Yeah, it's it's not that you can't do the others. It's just what's your specialty? What do you specialize in? What's your main focus? The reason I'm thinking delicate materials is the prototype tech stuff, which is like the like the rift stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that might also be key supplies like construction materials, long-range communications equipment. Those are also... So basically it comes down to, do you want a truck or impact mesh? Oh, the impact mesh sounds so much cooler. <laughs> so much more. So we we could steal a, heavy, a hover truck. <laughs> I vote impact mesh. Impact mesh then. Okay. So I will write down that our specialty is delicate materials. Uh, where do I put this on here? Here it is. Okay. Delicate materials, which delicate means... Delicate materials could be people. <laughs> that is true precious cargo impact mesh on here you can't like moving one giant tank of centaur and children from one spot to another okay good there we've got impact mesh and that's delicate materials your crew name um well you're part of the wayfinders guild but you probably have your own name because the wayfinders guild is lots and lots of people we don't need to figure that out yet but that is something to keep in mind like that might be something that comes up in play too. Okay, so that's specialties. Finder seven. No, finder six. Okay, so we've got pick your specialty, build your community. All right, next is time to take a look at your community sheet. Follow the prompts on the sheet to build out your community as a table, deciding on its location, geographical, structural, and aesthetic features, and figuring out where your crew's base fits in. When you get to the lists of prompts, choose three or four of each. You can always add more later, but for now it's best not to get carried away. Uh, so the location, we know that the location is in the Rudero Bloom, uh, which is where the city is located, and do, 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 geographical features. Now this is something that, um, so we are basing this on the city that we built in um i'm sorry did you say street magic make sure to check out those uh, episodes i think they are 
really fantastic, creative, and fun. But if you all have the Ginkgo thing open here that we use to play that game, we can look at what's in our community. We never really determined. We said it was organic, cultivated like a garden, a blend of magic and technology. It's amphibious because there's both above uh, water and below water settlements there. The tone adjectives are bright, kinetic, eclectic, and hungry. And let's see here. So how is this going to translate, do we think, into here? Geographical features. Let's start with that. Geographical features is shattered earth, caverns, stalactites, cliff sides, creeping vines, cloud-kissed peaks, lava flows, strange flora, an ocean, a flowing river, a forest or jungle, a brushland, a desert, crystalline megaliths, urban streets, ruined industry, radiant structures, sand, mist, snowdrifts, thunderstorms, etc. So we never really um, went into what the landscape is of the Rudero Bloom area that the city has landed in. Uh, we, we know about what the city itself looks like, but what's the surrounding area? Like we know there's a plain somewhere because that's where Capybaral does the farming, but, uh, and there's some burrows somewhere, but like which of these geographical features if we can pick, uh, I think they said three to four would be interesting for us for, for our home. I like strange flora. Okay. Yeah, we definitely have the strange flora because of the different like trees and other organic things that we're growing to build buildings with and all that so then well this is this was a part of well this is a part of Havlon um so I want to say that it's probably like the outside uh, like around the city it's kind of this I don't want to say just sand but more like uh the mountains near LA like the area that like some of the old mining on mountain sort of areas. So like rocks and gorse bush and, you know, that sort of not dead. But then when you get inside the city, we have canals, you know, a river, a lagoon, you know, so. Are we talking about Badlands? Might be what I'm talking about. I'm trying to think of where that is generally. Like, uh, like that would be... Drumheller in Alberta, um, Toadstool mm. Park in Nebraska. That wasn't what I was thinking of. I was thinking of this place where there's this silver mine. Uh, and they used, it, have, uh, they used to have a lake there, but they drained it completely to put the, for providing water for LA. Okay, the town is Sierra, Sierra Gordo. So let me figure that out. Is it shrubland or? Trees. Scrubland doesn't have to have trees. Uh, it's a plant community, vegetation dominated by shrubs, grasses, herbs, and geophytes. Um, are you thinking of something with vegetation or with very little vegetation? I'm saying the outside of it doesn't have as much vegetation. Like, uh, I'm going to send you guys, you all, like, this is what it looked like before. Okay. But I imagine that it's grown up more so that there would be patches of grass and there would be more shrubs, that this is just what it looks like, looked like before. So it's more lush than this, but this sort of geographical features. Uh, I've put a picture in there. Is this kind of what you're thinking of? Where? It's, it's I just geography. put it in the vision board there. Yeah, that's a good idea. I was just imagining mountains in the in the background was what I was say is thinking of. Okay, Mount Kilimanjaro has a similar vibe. That's that's some pictures of the area around Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm -hmm. It's just it's low low vegetation, kind of dusty kind of deal. Is this what you're thinking? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, 
So I'm going to put in strange flora. I mean, that's that's just called brushlands. But brushlands. Uh, let's see. Uh, so Trudy and Keekers, you both added one here. Mike, do you have one or Velvet? You can either pick from the list or if you have something else. Hmm. Can we have lightning storms? I like ambient bad vibes in the distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so is it like, do lightning storms come through the area or are they, you just see them? There are areas that are just, that's a lightning storm all the time. The, yeah, the, the latter. Yeah. Okay. Just casual lightning, you know, just the odd <laughs> reminder that the sky could strike you down at any moment. I'm going to put lightning zones. Yeah. They're like danger zones, but electrifying. Mm -hmm. Like, is this like the lightning area in Final Fantasy X? God, I hated that area. <laughs> See what I mean? Bad vibes. So we've got strange flora, brushlands and mountains, lightning zones, and um, I want to say a flowing river because there's that river that goes through the city, right? Yeah. Like the river sticks, it touches all realms. Oh gosh, it passes through the lightning zones. So we got our, that's where we get our hydroelectricity from. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about CD saying what you just said, Mike. That's what CD would say. Same. We're connected. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there's a river that comes from somewhere. I'm going to say it probably comes from the stem. Like, it comes from where this pedal is attached to the uh, digestive system of the emergency. There's a river coming from there, and then it flows up to the Wittershins and then just goes, we don't know, <laughs> wherever the Wittershins goes. <laughs> where the Wittershins go. That's a... Uh... It's going to be a, like a YA novel soon. <laughs> it's going to take place in this horrible city, in this bad place. <laughs> it's I, a I nice city. Uh, yeah, the city's wonderful. It's Go just got lightning zones. Limits, so yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Just look out for the lightning zones. You're I fine. Think, I think the lightning zones are probably like out around the city. Yeah. They're just casual lightning zones. Like, you, you know, you don't got to stress about them. Like, oh, well, you go out the city, but make sure you don't take a right turn out of this road because then you'll reach one of the lightning zones and that's where we put our lightning rods to power this part of the city oh 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 okay okay so we had lightning like that lightning storm appearing from the rift at the end of monster care squad that we just did with the capybara right mm -hmm. is it like lightning forests where instead of trees it's just lightning holy shit. yeah uh, what you are genius yeah. Okay. I'm going to change that to lightning. Grow on trees. Forests. Contrary to what Migrat Nans, <laughs> lightning does grow on trees. So like, you can you can go in there. The lightning is not like moving that much. Like it's vibrating. It's it's sizzling. But like you can walk through a lightning zone, but your hair is going to stand up on end. And don't touch those trees. Yeah. <laughs> on you, I'm a fish. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't wear a big metal suit of armor like someone. <laughs> Maybe get maybe get a maybe get a rubber over that. Yeah. Just safety first. Fishbowl in a mech suit wearing like a like a rubber jumper. <laughs> maybe reaching has uh, a specifically a rubberized alternate mech suit just for oh, lightning God. zone work. Can you imagine though, like the lightning zone, like you have the lightning zone rangers and like they wear just this like whole like rubber onesie. Top of their head to the tip of their toe, and and, and all of their veins constantly <laughs> outlined. You just hear them like from a mile away. <laughs> they're 
you know, they're when they're in town, everyone's like, oh, look, it's the Lightning Rangers. And they're like, yes, we're the Lightning Rangers. It's not what you think. Please. <laughs> and they're full body rubber suits. I know that we're 17 people in full body rubber suits, but. <laughs> it's not what you think. Hear me out. That's in the Pox Cauldron. You want you want that? You go there. Mm. That is oh, in the Pox Cauldron. You know that the Lightning Rangers are Lightning Rangers because they have like a bolt of lightning on their chest. If they don't, then you know. You know. You've got to get the squad tattoo. Everyone has it. <laughs> well, it's, it's on the it's on the one, you know, the suit. I mean, you can get that tattoo, but don't want to be stolen valor. Structural elements. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> so we pick uh three to four of these structural elements. So I guess we can each pick one again, like we did with the geographical. Uh so we've got windmills, broken tide generators, terrace farms, hangars, silos. Workbenches, dry fountains, columns, makeshift temples, tents, gardens, tree houses, train tracks, pavement, a tower, shipping containers, modest brick buildings, bridges, watchtowers, fences, sculptures, lampposts, a derelict ship, etc. Now we have some of this stuff already from the game. Yeah, I was going to say, you know it's tree houses. Yeah, literal tree houses. Okay, so I'll put in, what's what's the word I want here? What's the word for things that are like trees and mushrooms and stuff? Flora? Is there a word that's not flora? <laughs> I wonder. Vegetation, plant life, okay, uh, put... organic homes. Yeah, just organic has the implications of like also could be meat. And it's not flesh that. Home. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not that. Welcome uh, to the yes. flesh district. All right. So the, gonna... the flesh cathedral is in another game. Uh, <laughs> canon. There's going to plant buildings. Okay. There you go. Uh, all right. Plant buildings. Our floral arcology. Mm. Any of the other elements that uh, y'all would like to see here? Derelict ships, plural. Mm. Oh, yeah. From the fleet and such. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I think there's sculptures and too. What kind of sculptures? Living sculptures. <laughs> I need to talk about how it was curated like a garden in a way, or yeah. not curated, attended like a garden. Yeah, so I don't know. There, there are different types of sculptures. It depends on what district you're in. Okay, so but there, there is a lot of sculpture in the city. Yeah, every put, every city has like sculptures and statues and stuff. Statues are sculptures. Only that this statue over here, this one is just of a giant pigeon. <laughs> the pigeons don't land on it. No, he is our godhead. <laughs> all right we can do one more in here trudy you got one mm. or velvet if... give me a yeah some, someone else want to go point on this uh sure uh i would like some pillars okay Actual pillars of a broken song <laughs> a... okay um doo -doo -doo. oh some of this may, no, maybe should have been under aesthetic touches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can go back and look at this again. Yeah. So aesthetic touches is banners, geometric motifs, stone, wood, fabric, low buildings, tall towers, peeling paint, rusting metal, carvings, gold leaf, flowers, moss, mosaics, frescoes, tile, wrought iron, glass, string lights, handmade signs, window shutters, Brick, vibrant colors, pastels, holograms, shade structures, and so on. There's uh, vibrant colors. Yeah, we definitely know we have vibrant colors. All the pastels. Uh, let's see. I would like to recant my previous statement of pillars for hedge mazes. Okay, hedge mazes. But the bushes are all made of teeth. Uh, no, uh, thank you. Why are you reading my dream journal, Mike? I'm in your, <laughs> I'm in your noggin. 
imagine that the leaves were like made of like flat bone and then the berries were teeth. <laughs> Give Colleen a, an inch and she'll she'll take a mile. <laughs> That's some shamisi stuff right there. How did a wooden fiber? Yep. Fiber being like Ooh. plant fiber and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not teeth. No. Okay. Just checking. I want to shout out one of our um, city name thoughts and uh, have mosaic as one of our aesthetic yeah. touches. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. And we can probably fit in one more here. I'm kind of almost <laughs> feeling, what's the one I was looking at here? I'm kind of feeling banners. That works. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, though. Like, I don't know if banners really fit with what we're setting up here. You know, maybe not. Like, I don't know. I would, when you said that, I just thought of like different colorful dyed like pieces of cloth hanging from different areas, you know? Hmm. Holograms. I can see that existing in the marketplace. Yeah, we would have holograms, wouldn't we? Yeah. Mm. Hello, and welcome to Medleystead. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite stand on Medleystead. All right. So, vibrant colors, wooden fiber, mosaics, holograms. And our geographical features are strange flora, brushlands and mountains, lightning forests, a flowing river. Structural elements are plant buildings, derelict ships, varied sculptures, and hedge mazes. Hello, right. and welcome to the Citadel. I'm Bob. I'm Hub. Hub. Uh, oh. All comes back to Mass Effect on that. Uh, crew okay. base. So, the crew base, uh, we get to decide. It can be a cliffside hideaway. A rock-hewn construct, a derelict ship, a collapsed train station, a canopy treehouse, laboratory ruins, a local community building, or other. We've lived in literally almost all of these. <laughs> That's true. What's the one we haven't lived in? Canopy treehouse. Okay, so that's one possibility. The other thing that popped into my head for some reason was just an old ruined aquarium. <laughs> yeah, go on. Go on. With all the tanks drained, and it's just like you walk into what you think is a room, but it used to be a tank. So it's like these glass walls and like the sand and this old dead coral and all that. I don't know. Puddles on the floor. Interesting. And, uh, reaching has the only flooded one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I am a fan. I love it. Okay. I feel like this, it, it's part of me feels like it wasn't there before and it just sort of appeared after the emergency. It could be something that was buried underground and like mm. when the city was transplanted, it just kind of popped up or it's still underground. Okay. This is a superhero lair, if I've ever heard of one. It, <laughs> I don't know why this popped into my head. I'm just like, dried out aquarium. Well, it's because you're a genius. Yeah. Thank you. I think probably because I've been oogling, ogling other people's uh, actual real life aquariums lately. I've put disused aquarium high base. Solid. All right. Uh, bonus foundation. Your, your community starts with the foundation determined by your specialty. Pick one more foundation that's already been established here and draw it on the map. This foundation doesn't cost you any caches, it comes already built. So for foundations, uh, we're looking at Prosperity Zero Foundations at the moment. So uh, this is a huge list. And we've got Adaptive Hardware, Cover Operation, Cover Identities, Drop Jet Hanger, Friends in Low Places, Hidden Community, Observatory, Radiant Archive, Rover Garage, Lotus Beacon, Sacred Shrine, Secret Passways, Terrain Maps, Warehouse, or Workshop. And um, I'm also going to, we're also going to have one additional foundation to start with because this is a, you are part of a larger group. Well, I'm not playing CD, so I don't need a shrine. Okay. What is uh, a... If you 
if you hover over the the foundations, a, a tooltip will pop up telling uh-huh. you. What it is. Reading my mind. Oh yes, that's good. Oh so good, very good. <laughs> I think um, the extra one that I'm I'm going to put in here is the rover garage. I'm just going to fiat that one, and that's where the express is. So the rover garage has a heavy six-wheeled all-terrain rover and a garage to store it. The rover is equipped with cargo compartments and big enough to comfortably fit a large group's worth of people, about 20. You can hitch a trailer or truck bed to the rover. So I'm going to put that one in. Uh, I think that a warehouse does probably make sense, um, since we do have a bunch of characters geared more towards gear (laughs) Mm -hmm. and making things. But also, since we are doing the courier, um, a warehouse is a good idea, too. Those are my two thoughts, but we don't have to go with those, obviously. I I would say the only one I am opposed to is cover identities, because that sounds weird. And Yeah, I don't think that yeah. fits with what we're going for here. Likewise, cover operation may, is not really, I don't think that's really useful here. So we can at least cross those two off and the one we've already taken. I like terrain maps or warehouse, personally. Yeah, I mean, I can go with warehouse. Warehouse sounds good. Okay. Hey, just breaking in from the future. I made a mistake in the initial recording. The warehouse increases your shell storage from 6 to 12. Construct a foundation to acquire this upgrade. Okay, so we got the warehouse, which increases your storage, and the rover garage for the express. I do do really want to say, though, that somehow in the warehouse there is a sarcophagus. <laughs> I'm sure it's in there somewhere. I think it was a gift from CD. <laughs> Hmm. But it's it's one of the paper mache ones. It was like a gift to Keva for some sort of occasion. I don't know what. Okay, so when we choose the foundation, the warehouse, you'll also set faction statuses based on your foundations. Choose one faction that helps you assemble one of the foundations and take a plus one with them. Then pick another faction that got screwed over when you got one of your foundations and take a minus one with them. You can pick the same foundation as before or a different one. You can start with the factions local to your region if you're stuck. So this is where... We might want to flip over to our factions document. So uh, is the Wayfinders Guild out since technically we're a member of it? Uh, like we don't need to include them in this. No, I don't think so. Uh, and each one of you also has one of these factions here that you have and that you're going to sort of take on management for during downtimes and stuff. So Geekers, you're running the penitent here. Mm-hmm. Mike's got the Free Realms Commission, uh, and Velvet has Hades Town. And uh, Trudy, I think you were saying the Bizarre Merchants Collective? Yep. Okay. So while we're here, which of these factions do you think helped you construct, uh, we could say, either the either one of the foundations that we currently have? The factions in this region, we have the Penitent, which is uh, 1S, the Free Realms Commission, 1S, that's Tier 1, and S means strong, W means weak hold which means how easy or difficult it is for them to tear up or tear down. We have the tower. Um, The tower is from the game. So I guess I'll go over a little bit of these factions while we're thinking. The Penitent Keekers, do you want to tell us a bit about them? Uh, The Penitent are generally people, uh, pilgrims or expats, other people that had trickled into the mosaic or medalistead, as is the proper name, that um, just have crap pass and want to help the world around them to uh, make up for that. A a bunch of people that make up uh, the group are people from the station that were allowed to come down to the city. Um, There's probably some Centaurans there or other 
other desperate, uh, uh, not desperate, <laughs> though maybe they are a little bit desperate, or, but other people from the flotilla or the, just the, what's the name for it, that the Logistark ran. The Logistocracy? The Logistocracy. So, you know, you got some people that were from the Hediar, a Hedonarchy that felt bad that wanted to join, maybe, maybe. Yeah, like there's probably people like former operatives of the Church of Gov who, you know, are realizing the role that they've had. Probably some people from the Sun are there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, since we know who runs it is from the Sun, so. <laughs> uh, what's the Free Realms Commission about, Mike? So what if you had a bunch of uh, individuals who were interested in exploring the other realms using rift jumping Magitech, but they didn't really like overhead or government oversight? Mm. Or the Wayfinders Guild, and they mm. were pirates. That's the Free Realms Commission. They're a bunch of dimension-hopping space pirates with a bunch of rift mages in their ranks. All right. Um, the Bazaar Merchants Collective is... Oh, sorry. I should say the tower here. Um, the tower... Trudy, you came up with this in the game. It's located near the edge of the spaceport. The tower is a cloister of technophiles, dreamers, and scientists working together to achieve one goal. Establishing permanent long-range communication with the other pedals of the emergency. Their tags are hard work powered by enthusiasm and optimism. We have the Society for the Rediscovery of Lost Cultures. They are uh, just outside the Havlon Pavilion in uh, the Concord Lagoon part of the city. Research into life and culture, religions, and so on from before the sun's cultural genocide. Loud, lively, laughter and tears, the joy of connection. Uh, So their goal is to rediscover and reconstruct the lost cultures and beliefs of uh, the many peoples who made up uh, Hablon. The Bazaar Merchants Collective, you have something on them, Trudy, or just the basics? I mean, basically, they're just a collection of, of merchants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. Uh, the Bazaar is one of the neighborhoods in the city. Sprawling, bustling, loud, the heart of the city, a place for people to socialize and trade. Those that work or trade in the bazaar generally live along the edge of the bazaar proper. Um, and that's where people celebrate Sunday. Uh, that's a sun space day. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this. Yeah, a festival and parade celebrating, commemorating the breaking of the sun. People grumble about the inconvenience to their daily life and the sanitation systems are overtaxed for a week afterwards. But it's a great way for everyone to unite and celebrate. Overwhelming, flashing colors, raised voices, friendly bartering in the bazaar. This is just the, the people who work there. This is their loose cooperative uh, group. Uh, the Wayfinders Guild. This is the... I guess the main faction that we're looking at here in this season, they're tier three, tier three with a stronghold. Bizarre Merchants Collective is also tier three with a stronghold. The tower is tier two with weak hold. Society of Rediscovery of Lost Cultures is too strong. Waste Miners Guild, th- uh, tier three stronghold. And they are um, a place where people can meet to plan out missions to other worlds or to find out how to access those worlds with the goal of reconnecting the missing parts of our community and creating new connections with other communities. Solomid, optimistic, energetic conversations, connected movement both through the sky and the imagination. We have the Misfit School for Interdimensional Travel. There was some drama going on here, as I recall, uh, where the foremost magical minds and gifted come together to research and find ways to utilize the hardened ether between realms and to create miniature rifts to use in harness. The first advancement was rift jumping on a miniature scale, a giant eclectic hodgepodge of tech and materials. Ah, uh, yeah. Event four here was the Great Rift. Rogue mages using experimental rift magic tech gather too much ambient rift energy, and there's a pop. Parts of the city are replaced with parts of other places. There are now dozens of rogue mages teaching in pockets all over the city. That's, this is probably how Jojo got here. 
Yeah. In the pop, in the uh, in the Great Rift. Uh, communal candles burning, incantations, and pages flipping. So yeah, people are keeping a very close eye <laughs> on this group. Uh, we've got the Logistics Cooperative, which is a group of people who are interested in getting things from one place to another within the city, making sure that there's food and energy and that kind of stuff. They're uh, tier four because they have a lot of influence in the city. Uh, the Nexus. What is the Nexus? I wrote this down and I can't. The Nexus is the library. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Oh. I keep forgetting it's called the Nexus. Okay. The Nexus is a black marble pyramid repository of combined knowledge and historical records maintained by a council made up of different representatives from different factions meant to ensure historical revision on the scale of the Gov incident does not occur again. Imposing dissonant chanting, the smell of old tomes and cold. And this is where the antiquarian works, a.k.a. Chain Solomon. From season yeah, two. Chains. Yep. Okay. Uh, so they're tier four. Uh, strong as well. Very influential group. We have Hades Town, tier four with a weak hold because of all the secrecy and bit of distrust going on. Uh, Velvet, that's your faction. You want to tell us a bit about it? It's a neighborhood in our game. Yeah. Uh, so it is. Uh, so Hades Town, uh, way down under the ground, is basically the deepest pit in the Maw. Uh, and it's kind of where Mavel receives her little horde of uh, vermintide and giant bugs. And it's mostly um, mining raw resources. Uh, one of the nicer effects of the pop was that now there's all kinds of gems and metals that are, you know, appearing along the, the vein tunnels where the Vermintide live. And so they mine those resources and make all sorts of cool stuff with them. All right. A center of manufacturing and forging at the heart of the Maw, utilizing magical gems as foci, dull glow, sparks, and metal pounding is our description from the game. And uh, that's tier four weak holds. Tier five stronghold is Concord Lagoon. That is where, like, all the all the big all the big moves happen, like all the top level meetings and stuff. So that's bustling, artistic, cooperative, colorful, disorienting, self-important, slightly arrogant, necessary to cooperative society. Viewed as kind of sanitized by many residents of the city, idealistic to naive, depending on who you ask. A dizzying array of arts and cultures, arguments in hushed tones, cultivated cooperation. So this is where people meet to figure out how are we going to live together and how do we make sure that nobody uh, is taking advantage of our community and so on. All right. So with that in mind, who do you think helped us to get one of or to construct the Rover Garage or the warehouse? I want to say that it was maybe the Bizarre Merchant Collective, but I'm not certain. Okay. What's I mean, your reasoning? Can... There, go ahead. I was going to say I can see that. Keekers, do you want to give your reason? Yeah, I'm thinking because I imagine, you know, it's a bunch of people who have access to a lot of resources and would be able to pull some strings to say, oh, hey, can you help this, you know, Wayfinder group build this? It's underground. It's kind of weird, but I, I can find the right guy for the or the right person for the job. Okay. Or group people, that sort of thing. I'm just going to type this in on the sheet over here under notoriety. I'm going to put plus one is our merchants collective. And that was for the warehouse. Don't give me that error. Google sheets. Fine. I'll put one plus instead of plus one. Take that. Okay. So then either for the Rover garage or the warehouse, who got kind of, who got kind of screwed over? Like, is there someone else who wanted to have uh, access to the express or wanted to have access to this vehicle storage space? But you got it instead. I want to say that the Misfit School for Interventional Travel or someone else. Ugh, now that I think about it, I thought that maybe they would want 
this to the express, but I'm not certain. Let me think more. How about the tower? I could see it. Yeah. Bunch of technophiles. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. jealous of all our cool stuff. Yeah, they might have wanted to like study the express or something, especially given how it's changed in the emergency. Mm -hmm. Nope, this is our this is our this is our truck now. Imagine that <laughs> they're like would want to study some of the sunbreakers too, but you know, probably yeah. Now I have to ask: Is the tower run by one of our friendly AIs? Uh, probably not. Okay, that must be better. Because it was it's true to you came up with the tower. And you were talking about it being people, as I recall. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say people, the like humanoid people, flesh people. Okay. Uh, so we need to, oh, we're low on time here. Things took longer than I thought, as usual. But we can probably keep moving through here. So create community members. Once you know what your community looks like, you'll create a few NPCs to fill out the residents of your community. Not an exhaustive list of everyone in your town. Try to come up with NPCs from different parts of the community who between them can represent a wide swath of people who live here. Uh, so everyone at the table creates an NPC community member. All you need is a name, pronouns, and at least two motifs that stick out to those who see them. Now, you can just pick one from our Street Magic game, from our list of, of residents, or this is where you can include one of the NPCs that you get to pick from previous seasons and just say they're here. Does anyone have one they'd like to start with? <laughs> uh... I was thinking one of the AI. Does anyone have an uh, issue with Hub or someone else? No, no, I'm happy for Hub to be here. Hub's they, them, and then you can pick the motifs that stick out when interacting with Hub. I'm assuming the holographic form. Yeah. Or maybe one of their proxies. I don't know. Is it sad that I want Headbutt Swan Dive just because? That doesn't make me sad at all. It gives me it's ample fun. opportunity yeah. to do that fun ass voice. <laughs> I mean, Trudy, if you weren't going to pick them, I would have. So Okay, well, I'm glad that I picked them. We, we have question mark, question mark, question mark is their <laughs> yeah. pronouns. So I'm just going to use they, them until we figure <laughs> Who that was out. that mysterious? Mask them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can put them in and add the, add the motifs. It's probably the croaking voice and the the the, the mask the or something yeah. or the hood. I think my person is going to be Eli Vok. Ooh, nice! Yeah. Hell yeah! But no, re I have no idea why that was the NPC I latched onto, but he is. He's he's good. <laughs> he's a, he's a good character. Uh, Velvet, do you have one? Hmm. Can can we keep talking to the largest Stark? Uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, she can be here. You can put her in. Cool beans. Probably going to need like a more mobile platform rather than the the giant ship which is probably around but it might be one of the grounded ones yeah as much as i love captain stella cartography i don't think she's around very much because mm. i've gotten written down here that she's currently on an expedition to uh compliment myself i like that i put in for one of hub's motifs ultimate cosmic power itty big living space <laughs> where is my list I had some ideas they were in Notion, and I closed Notion, so that was not smart of me. Uh, what are the Logistark's pronouns? She, her. I want to imagine that there's like this once-a-year thing where she goes and drinks not tea with Keva, like an imperious old lady aunt. Mm -hmm. So proper judging others over her tea. Uh, all right, so I picked mine too, and I just accidentally closed the sheet instead of clicking on the tab, so I'll just reopen that. Uh, so you all remember Weapon Table, right? Yeah! The boy yeah. himself. Of course. Yeah, Weapon Table is not named Weapon Table anymore. Weapon Table changed his name because Weapon Table has a new job now. And Weapon Table's new name is Welcome Teacher. Aww. 
Oh, we love that. Oh, welcome, teacher. No. Yes, he runs the um, rehab, basically, for the clones. He helps them learn how to uh, interact with society in ways that don't involve uh, shooting, beating them up, and so on. Yeah, welcome, teacher. Uh, What's a motif? He's green. (laughs) Well, yes, okay, there's that. Not easy being green. Yeah. Photosynthesis is a mean mother. (laughs) Make love, not war. Some men just want to see the world learn. Hey. (laughs) Green. What's a color that goes nicely with green? A dramatic color. The opposite of green is purple on the color wheel, but that's... Yeah, I don't don't want to do purple. No, wait. No, I got that wrong. They're complement. Green and purple are not quite complementary, right? Those are those Aldrich vibes. We're going yeah. for wholesome vibes. Thinking about colors that go well with green. Uh, I think I'm just going to go with white. Yeah. Green skin, and he has a uh, white tailored suit that he wears. Do um, sometimes when Welcome Teacher and Peros like, see each other, do they just nod at each other and just say, hello, brother. Hello, sir. <laughs> they probably do. All right. Once you have your NPCs, you'll assign one or two of them to represent the foundations your community starts with. These characters don't necessarily need to lead the foundation, but they can serve as the point of contact for your crew. There's more of this in Foundations Overview. Write these NPCs down on your community sheet. Um, you'll have another chance to set faction relationships here. So there's not too much longer left. Are we okay to finish this up? It's Yeah, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. good to I want to say that I feel like Hub maybe runs part of our warehouse or garage yeah at the time one part of their brain doing that i've put uh, i've actually changed it to a white and gold suit it's pretty gold, slick gold works good too yeah yeah goes nicely with green not like ostentatious but it it looks good more like it's distinctive a, not like a shiny gold kind of like that dull maybe less i don't know yeah like bronze age type gold yeah mm-hmm. i got you okay so we have got these community members and we need to attach them to or attach some of them to foundations I'll assign one or two of them to represent the foundations so who will represent the warehouse and the rover garage from this list i was saying that hove might be in charge of the rover garage okay doesn't that make sense yeah, sure. I think maybe the Logistark it would have something to do with the warehouse. That tracks. Yeah. And she works with Eli. <laughs> I just imagined her coming in this robot body. Now I'm imagining of like this curator, like woman with her hair up in a bun, you know, like the glasses on a chain, the suit and cardigan. Well, it's like the pants, the blouse and the cardigan. But nice. Mm-hmm. It's a cashmere cardigan. Okay. Of the NPCs who haven't been assigned to your, to your community, choose one who has a positive relationship with the faction, maybe a member, maybe an ally or consultant. So a positive relationship with the faction, take plus one with that faction, then choose an NPC who has a negative relationship with the faction and take minus one with them. You can choose the same NPC for both or different NPCs based on how many of you created. You can also dip into foundation NPCs for faction relationships if you're running short. So welcome teacher probably has some links to the penitent headbutt swan dive who who knows <laughs> uh, any thoughts on these we can also use the the ones who are uh, we can also use hub eli and the logistark if we want i think head um headbutt or at least um trudy you can kibosh this but maybe the bizarre merchants collective has it out for headbutt swan dive for some reason <laughs> 
poor Headbutt Swan Dive. No, poor Collective. <laughs> Oof. Uh. They've chosen a deadly <laughs> enemy this day. Okay. So that means that you now have a plus one and a minus one with, with our Merchants Collective, bringing it to a total of zero. It's like, hey, we think you guys are cool, but you need to stop fucking hanging out with that guy. <laughs> Imagined uh, reaching, say, you can pry him from my cold, dead hands <laughs> or arms or paws. You leave my precious baby alone. I love him. Them. <laughs> I love this entity. <laughs> Whatever they are. And their yeah. magic masks. Uh, okay, so that means we're going to have a zero with one faction, a minus one with one faction, and we'll need a minus one with one other faction here. Who do you think you have beef beef with? Because I think, um, I mean, Welcome Teacher is probably a bit of a controversial figure regardless. Like, probably not everybody trusts that he's retraining all those super soldiers in a benign way. Aww. Even though he is, like spoilers, he he is. He's not building an army. <laughs> he's not. Spoiler he, alert. It's good being. Um, yeah. I would personally, I want a positive relationship with the Free Realms Commission, and I would like a negative relationship with the Misfit School. Yeah, I I don't trust the Misfit School. Uh, I, I would agree. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we have the negative one already, so we need a plus one with somebody. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, we just need a plus one, um, unless you want to change the minus one for Headbutt Swan Dive, because oh. that's currently, you attach that minus one to the Bizarre Merchants Collective. Then let's slap the minus one onto the Misfit School, and that'll be the thing that I do. Okay. Does Headbutt Swan Dive mess with the Misfit School? Um, I think that some of his masks definitely have magic properties, and I think that they want the masks, and Headbutt Swan Dive ain't budging on that. <laughs> Okay. Like, if they remove them from the wall, aren't they no longer magical? So who knows? Right. I don't know. I don't know one. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. I'm gonna say our one plus for the Free Realms Commission. It pretty much has to come from Eli Vok. Hell oh, yeah. yeah, no doubt. <laughs> He's the only pirate. Yeah, I'm just gonna put Eli Vok is a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> he is in fact a yeah. semi-famous I mean, space pirate you, you can remove like the qualifier just be like Eli Vok is pirate <laughs> Eli Vok was present during the destruction of the sun god so mm -hmm. that's pretty cool that's yeah a lot of cash right there I mean he, he helped with that major clout yeah major clout there for sure okay so that's good that part is done so let's move on choose your special ability we got that. Oh, okay we choose one of the abilities from the from the crew list which one do we want you know what I want? I is need it one. It's one of us, right? It's it's really because I want one of us because I want us to have a Megazord. Yes. At some point, it doesn't need to happen immediately. We can have like, um, but it could. We could have the core fighter, and then we can get the mobile suit. Mm, um. Okay. So if we I do like punch it so much, uh, you're gonna have to level up at some point. Then. <laughs> yeah. Darn it! I have to play the game. Uh, so for one of us, you create one of your vehicles as an expert. Use the vehicle and edges flaws, which you can see if you hover over that description. Its quality is equal to your community prosperity plus one, so it'll be prosperity one. The vehicle has access to teamwork maneuvers using its quality for roles. A vehicle can't lead a group action, but it can participate. So vehicle edges are nimble. The vehicle handles easily. Consider this an asset for tricky maneuvers. Uh, auto repair. The vehicle self-repairs. Remove all of its harm during downtime. Rugged. The vehicle keeps operating even when it's paralyzed. And flaws uh, do is... Guzzler, the vehicle requires one shell's worth of fuel per downtime to keep in operation. 
Finicky, the vehicle has quirks that only one person understands. Without them, the vehicle has a minus one quality. And Flashy, the vehicle is ostentatious and very memorable. Take plus one heat when you use it on a score. I like... Go ahead. <laughs> if this is the Express, then it would be only one person can uh, understand it at this point. Okay. Unless we want to do an inter- introductory sequence. I mean... Because I think you kind of asked in the Discord who else yeah, would be able to yeah. interact with it. Um, I suggested Ollie, although it could also be uh, a resident star because they're more mechanically minded. Because mm-hmm. Jojo would just would be too fast, too furious, and maybe crash it. I feel like you can pick one or two of each. So it's an equal number of flaws and edges, up to two of each. I mean, I like nimble, and the ship has definitely been rugged in the past, hmm. but maybe it deserves auto repair. Uh. However, I think so. Finicky would certainly fit, but uh, I think flashy might think suit it's, for yeah, it's a, a yeah, for you know, yeah. a, a bus sized legged vehicle with a multicolored force field. Yeah, just if we're thinking. If you want to. My vote for the flaw would absolutely be flashy if we're only doing one. And then I would say nimble and flashy if we want to do one and one. Ditto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where should I put this? I'm just going to put this down here. Okay. So one of us. Oh, we already got that. The other best part about one of us is just saying one of us. One <laughs> of us. As we pilot the, the express. <laughs> Set your community yeah. ideals. In the same way your characters have beliefs, your community also has ideals it values and tries to live by. Uh, this is the uh, this is the last thing. Okay, so these ideals are also tied to a clock, and they can shift over time. During community creation, come up with one to three ideals that your community subscribes to. Write these ideals down in the ideals section on your character sheet next to your community's eight tick ideals clock. Your community's ideals clock represents how close it is to changing its ideas. Your community's ideals are one of your methods of growth as a crew. You mark experience when you express or challenge your community's ideals in play. At the end of every downtime, any player, including me, can choose to either tick or untick the ideals clock by one tick. Each tick in the ideals clock represents a shift in the community's understanding of its ideals as the people there, your characters included, become more or less comfortable with what the community values. This is one of my favorite things about this game. When the ideals clock fills, change at least one of the community ideals in a way that you collectively feel reflects your community's experiences. Read change at least one broadly. You could add a new ideal, get rid of an old one, change an existing ideal, or any combination of the above. Once you make this change, mark experience to represent your growing understanding of how your community functions. Sample ideals. Always show hospitality to guests. We should keep meticulous records of all community goings on. Show decency to all. Reserve respect for those who earn it. Nobody is free until everybody is free. We should coexist with the natural world rather than use it. Scholarship and research should be valued above all. Strive to be good at many things rather than excellent at one. So we can kind of look over our our street magic game here, as well as our our touchstones for what we want to accomplish this season, to think about what are the ideals of this community, of the city. Keep moving forward. Basically, uh, we had a pair terrible time with oppression and everything but we're going to keep on moving forward and improve things okay can we be a little more specific about what forward means here because mm. if we're just going keep moving forward it's a little broad and i think that would leave things like society for preservation and the nexus kind of in the dust because those are archives right and that those are mm. important to the city as well i like strive to be good at many things as a starting point mm. yeah because specifically yeah, the, way, the Wayfinders Guild has to wear many hats. 
you know i mean specifically us we're like super hodgepodge Mm -hmm. i don't know if the other like cells are like us but i think that's a good mission statement for now we're strong in diversity that's us that's medley's dead we strive to be good at many things rather than excellent at one all right and the community name as we've said is medley stead which is fun to say it really is in the rodero bloom <laughs> it's fun to say do we have thoughts for the name for our crew and this again if we don't have one now this can emerge in play we can figure this out as we play like we did kind of with the sunbreakers and stuff the myriad Ooh, mm-hmm. i like it myriad was the suggestion there yeah. i do okay. like it Myriad is technically the number 10,000. That's us. In that sense, the term is used Which almost is exclusively. over 9,000. So, yes. <laughs> it's appropriate for this setting because we're all super safe. Okay. Uh, more generally, a myriad may be an indefinitely large number of things. Okay. So, a myriad. I think that's everything. Let me take a quick look here. There's a crew creation summary. One, pick type. We did that. Two, pick specialty. We did that. Three, build your community. We did that. Four, choose your bonus foundation. Two faction statuses. That's done. Five, create community members. Assign some to represent foundations. Use the other set. Two more faction statuses. We did that. Six, pick special ability. Done. Seven, set your community ideals. Done. Eight, choose names. Done. So the last thing to talk about here before we end is how advancement works for your community. As your crew goes grows more and more familiar, with each other's rhythms, they'll become better and better at working together. In the same way your characters level up as individuals, you can also collectively gain experience as a crew. You gain crew experience in two major ways. One is you invest character experience. When characters mark experience at the end of the session, they can invest experience into their playbook attributes or their crew track. Any experience invested into the crew track is marked the here. And when the track fills, the crew gains a new special ability. So when you get experience, you can use it for yourself or you can use it for the crew. And the other is your community ideals clock. Whenever your ideals clock ticks over and you rewrite your community ideals, you mark crew experience. While you'll occasionally get experience from your community ideals clock, most of your crew experience will come from allocating personal experience into the crew's experience track. You work together to fill it, each of you investing some of your personal skill, effort, and learning into making the crew a stronger team. When you fill your crew experience track, clear all the marks and take a new special ability for your advance. Crew tracks are 10 steps. And that's everything. Cool. Wow. We are all set to go. Radical. We did it. Wonderful. Well, thank you for going through this with me. Yeah, this was really cool. I'm really excited to to take this and run with it. And we'll finish up uh, detailing our factions and stuff off screen. We'll get all that set up, their goals and everything off screen. And the next time you hear from us will be our first mission. Tubular. Excellent. Well then, until the next time, all the best. All the best, all folks. All the best. Astronid. My best friend Astrid. (laughs) I don't have a friend named Astrid. Maybe you will. Maybe someday. Bye bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) On that somber note.